0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in three texts that aren't going to be on your screen if you want to follow along, but I'll try to read them distinctly so you don't have to have them. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, 1 Corinthians 3, which is a kind of a deep text, and we'll look at that in a minute. We'll also look at uh, 2 Peter 3 and Romans 8. We're looking at uh, the, what we're calling the new earth, because that's what uh, Revelation 21 calls it. Uh, and then those charts are out there. You can use those. We'll, we'll refer to it a little bit uh, today again. Um, this is just uh, uh, an actuarial geek way of looking at it. It helps me, uh, and it's kind of cool. Colored, uh, nice patriotic colors too, like you see, red, white, and blue. It's kind of neat. But uh, we're we're down here in what we call the final heaven, or, or final earth, or what sometimes called the new earth. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about how we get there as we go through. But in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul gives us uh, kind of a very insightful scripture. We're starting in verse 10 here, uh, this testing fire. It says, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Uh, each one take care how he builds upon it. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is kind of an interesting thought process. So we're going to talk about the fact that it seems that Paul is saying that the God-honoring things that we do in this life will actually go on into the next life. Uh, But we're going to hit that a little bit toward the end of the sermon. What I want to look at now is we... We look at the way the scriptures talk about how do we transition at the second coming from <clears throat> this current earth, which has a lot of fallen aspects to it, to the new heaven and new earth, which doesn't have any fallen aspects to it. It's completely redeemed. Well, where you get a little bit more about that is in, in Peter's second letter. In 2 Peter, also ironically, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, um, we Looking at this, we're going to get a little bit more, but notice this isn't always what they're talking about. You usually get the theology of this kind of thing, other than in Revelation 21 and 22, kind of peripheral to what he's really talking about. Uh, so we're going to hit this first part. How does that look? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Um, I think about that a lot. Um, and when you think about it, when we were in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, in my translation, the, the word day was capitalized. I don't know if it was in yours. That is, that's a particular reason for that. And you see it here in this text called the day of the Lord. This is something you see in the Old Testament a lot. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. That's the main thing. There's going to become a time when all things will be made manifest and we'll have judgment. For our chart, it's that the second coming uh, this is the day of the Lord. You see this in Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament. So when Peter writes, he says, but the day of the Lord, and this is just a great text. You know, we talk, we've talked about timing. You know, when's Jesus coming back? That you can go on Facebook and get all kinds of conjecture. Uh, you'll have people say, well, I think it's going to be pretty soon. And I always say the same thing. Um, I don't know. Why? Well, because the day of the Lord will come like a thief that's the metaphor. It's used multiple times in the Bible for the second coming. A thief. Well, why a thief? Well, Jesus explains that in other places. You don't know when a thief's coming unless he's a really bad thief. Right? I mean, that's the idea. Let's not get so worried about the timing. It looks like he's going to come. when, he, And the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed." Very similar to 1 Corinthians 3, isn't it? Since all things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and God? So this isn't just about cosmology. It's neat to know, and we're going to talk about it. It's about what sort of people should you be? You know, you think about it. The earth was made for the people, not the people for the earth. And we get that mixed up sometimes, and I think our culture really messes that up. Heck, I drive a hybrid, you know. I'm trying to save the planet. I recycle. I think it's a good idea. I like clean drinking water. And if we could put up, I think we could pretty much power all of Crawford County if we just put a small windmill up here. The wind always blows up here we might even be able to do Iowa. I don't know how that works. But again, I, I, I think a healthy balance, you know, we're supposed to be but but making the earth the main thing and us kind of in the way, well, that's not biblical. I mean, I, none of you people are, but you know, people can be annoying, right? But we're all image bearers. That's what we the earth was created for us, not the other way around. And again, don't get cocky. <laughs> we're just stewards. This is the way so it's talking about this everything is going to be exposed. it's not just talking about well okay, now you can see the frog underneath the rock it's not that's not the big thing it's our deeds, our lives, everything, that day of the Lord judgment since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening and the coming of the day of God because of what the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt and they burn. That's interesting. And it doesn't sound too metaphoric, does it? Um, But according to his promise, we are waiting for what? Well, you all know this because it's on your chart, right? The new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's your key. And so when we look at this, this is the earth going through whatever this does, and we'll look at a few pictures, how this works, it's not for ultimate destruction. That's not the whole idea, it's to wipe it all out and start with a completely new set of stuff. I don't know scientifically if this is correct, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, It's almost like God takes the energy, the DNA, and kind of reassembles it into something that was always intended to be. New... Heaven, which is the new earth, for complete resurrection and restoration. And Peter, who wrote this in his uh, second sermon in Acts, says this, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, the ascension, until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And you guys know that too if you've been here, because we know Isaiah 60, Isaiah 65, Isaiah 66 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. We talked about that last week. A lot of people thought when the Messiah came in the first century that that was going to be everything taken care of. Our sins washed away on the cross, and then boom, new heaven, new earth. But now we're still waiting for that. And Jesus tells them that. Paul tells us about that. Peter tells about that. So you think about it, and I don't know if this is a great analogy, but uh, we use this a lot. You know, the caterpillar. You know, if you grab yourself a caterpillar, and if you're a good kid, you'll name it, right? So we're going to call our caterpillar uh, Barney. How's that? Um, Probably purple. Only older people would know what Barney the purple caterpillar would be. Uh, But when that caterpillar gets the cocoon and changes, it's still the same caterpillar, but now it's a butterfly. Something has changed. Something has been reborn, you know, and that's just an analogy, but we do have that. In in Randy Elkhorn's book on heaven that we're using a, a lot for this series, he talks about, he's from the, uh, the Pacific Northwest, and he talks about when Mount St. Helens hit uh, or, or exploded back in 1980, uh, that all that ash came down and people thought it was going to be decades before anything was ever going to grow again. And, and all the trees, you know, just devastated that area. But it was only like a month and a half when you started seeing new growth in the trees. And they came back stronger. And then I looked up we got a lot of farmers and people who uh, have land. You know, you, you know, I've seen that. You're going down the road and you see all this smoke and you're like, what's going on? Some netwit put that field on fire. But what do we do that for? You know, to renew it. You know, and maybe there's a little bit here in the background because something has to be renewed. And... Our, our Romans 8 scripture comes in, which helps us a lot about what creation was subjected to. We talked about that with the kids. It was, you know, just real quick. But a couple weeks ago, we talked, what were the curses that happened in Genesis 3? The curses were, there was a curse on the serpent, who we clearly find out this knockish, this dragon Satan devil who did the tempting. There was a curse on him that he was thrown from God's presence. There was a, a curse on the woman that every kid that a woman has is going to come into a, not only a fallen world but have a fallen nature. And there was a curse on the man because the ground, the creation, is now not the way it was intended to be. And, 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 and we talked about this too. There is a lot of good things about creation. But well, there's a lot of wasted space. I've been to Wyoming. I'm just kidding. I mean, it's getting you, you can't really grow much there. Um, one wonders what the new earth will be like. But in, in Romans 8, great chapter for lots of reasons. You get all this great theology, and then now we're not in any condemnation if we're in Christ. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth till now, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as Son and the redemption of our bodies. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Creation's groaning for this. So, And I don't like to, be, to poo-poo all the, the things that people do to try to make the planet better. I think that's great. But we're not going to have utopia on this side of eternity. Doesn't mean you need to be pessimistic, but Not yet. Let's not reach for utopia, let's reach for Jesus. And eventually he'll take care of utopia. And we get a lot of good things, you know? I mean, a lot of good things in this life. But it's just a pinprick of what we will have when this all gets renewed. So, Noah's flood also gives us a clue here. Because we can remember, why did Noah send the flood? Because It's kind of the day of the Lord, a little bit, judgment. And Peter talks about that just a little earlier in chapter 3. But what happened to the earth? Was the earth completely destroyed in the flood? That was cleansed, it was renewed. You see, and then by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. By that same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment, and destruction of the ungodly. So it comes through. It's, it, maybe that's a little bit better picture, that this, however this works, this fire, whatever is going to cleanse it, is cleansing it and not completely destroying it. So in my, in my movie, in, in, in trying to figure this out, in my mind, I don't think of earth, you know, going. I think of earth going and then everything back. And you have to close your eyes to do that. And then the sound effects are really good. <laughs> you know, you, you, you come in. This is a picture uh, I found. And if you can do this, this is somebody's rendition of this is the new earth. Um, but this is our current galaxy. And so the earth would be maybe the size of one of those little, the one, the one we're on now. And so this artist or this theologian artist is saying, look how much bigger this is. You know, it's interesting. You look at our current earth, and we think we know so much, and, and we do. And I've been to a few places. sounds like you guys have been a lot more, uh, you know, in Italy and Germany. I've been in the Middle East. I've never been in the Far East. Some of you have done a lot of travels. But that's just the surface. Have you ever watched uh We don't know what the heck's going on down in the oceans and places. We keep finding new weird stuff. And that's just on the current earth who's still waiting and groaning for redemption. What's this going to look like? If this is true, I don't know how big it is, but if this is true that, you know, that the earth now would be just one little pinprick, Let's see if I can get to Denison. I guess right there. Uh, the... It's so much more to imagine, you know, to think about the bigness of it and what you get to explore. Um, If you get a chance, just guys like these books, I think women too, John Eldridge has written some good books on thinking about uh, what we have in store. But this is just one rendition. But the thing we have to remember is that this is a rendition of the heaven that's there now coming down to the earth that's being recreated. Because remember, they come, they're the same place. We can't miss that. I know you all will remember everything I say, right? You're still awake? But remember, don't forget that, that the new earth is the new heaven. In fact, that's why we have chart 2.1. Keep going. I don't know what will be at the end of this stuff. Um, You know, I change it to final earth equals final heaven. This is the same place because heaven, again, is where God dwells. And if we start thinking about that, we were made for a better world. And if you think about, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, if you think in this world that nothing completely satisfies you, it may be that you were made for another world. Completely satisfied. We can find some satisfaction, certainly in Christ, you know, worshiping the relationships we have with each other, family and friends, and Thanksgiving is always fun. I ate way too much turkey yesterday. We had our Thanksgiving meal. It's good. And I'm thinking maybe in the new heaven and the new earth, you can eat all the turkey you want, and you don't get fat. (laughs) We'll go into that later. Probably not today. But uh, so new. New earth does not need to be completely different. That's where we get messed up. Um, You know, you buy a new car. It's not like, well, what the heck is this thing? What are those four rubber things on it? You know, we know what a car looks like. It's just the old jalopy's gone. The new one's in if you can find one. (laughs) It's hard now. But think about the way Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about this part of the chart where there's a judgment of faith at our death. You know, when, when do you know that you're going to heaven? When do you know? When can you be assured of that? It's when you accept Christ and become what Paul calls a lot in Christ. He permeates our lives everywhere. in our our hearts, and in the way Paul puts it, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. So any of you who believe in Jesus, you're a new creation. Now, I'm looking around, some decent-looking people, but I don't know about the new creation thing. Not the physical yet, but there's something going on deeper. The old has passed away, the new has come, but it's still you, Right? It's not that when you receive Christ, it's like all of a sudden there's completely a new person. No, the old fallenness goes away. This is what we call regeneration, or if you want to go with John 3, 3, born again. You got created once in the image of God. You get recreated in the image of Christ as your soul gets cleansed by that power. I don't know what this looks like. If you all like to do art, I'm commissioning a painting. (laughs) And I'll fund it. I got five bucks. Ain't doing nothing. Maybe we can get some more. What, what does it look like when somebody has their sins washed away spiritually? When we think about the, our, 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 you know, First Corinthians fifteen, the new body that we'll get, you know, that's not fallen. You know, maybe something like Adam and Eve's back then. I mean, how's that's going to work? You know, doesn't deteriorate. It's got an immortal quality because it's emanated by God. But it seems like from this scripture and others that when you believe in Jesus and that gets washed away, that dark soul spirit that is separated from God because of sin becomes something just completely metamorphosis. I wonder what that looks like. That's maybe why Jesus said in Luke 15 that that the angels rejoice In heaven, when one sinner comes to repentance, maybe they see it. Maybe they see this great transformation that we don't see. All we can do is look at people's words and their actions and do the best we can. We can know, I think, in our own hearts because the Spirit gives us that. Remember, just as an aside, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, do you want to follow God? Do you feel guilty when you sin? Do you realize what God's done for you? Are you wanting to live a life do you know that grace has saved you and not your own doing? Then don't worry about it. That's the Spirit telling you that in his word. So th- I like this new creation, the idea that something happens, we don't see it. Apparently, in you know, a twinkling of an eye, as it says in Second Corinthians or 1 Corinthians fifteen, we'll get to see kinda what maybe the angels see when a soul changes, because uh, both our body and soul combination will be Redeem. So the new earth can be thought of in the same way. The current earth is kind of a prototype that gets changed into something better, but there's still a pattern. We can still look back to it. And what will be, you know, our activity there? That's what people have trouble with today. You know, people say things like, We did this the first few weeks, you know, I don't want to go to heaven because it's gonna be boring. I'm like, well, I don't remember reading about the boring part. I mean, it doesn't look like boredom is going to be the problem. I mean, the Bible says that the final heaven, final earth, new heaven, new earth, is it's improved, it's physical, it's home, it retains the good, and God is present all the time. I thought about that. You know, you, you, you people, you, you never be lonely. You've got God there all the time. And we kind of get that now, I think, but not quite the same, is it? It's it's so you're going to have purposeful work, and y'all, you know, I, work is not a four-letter well. I guess it is. I was going to say work wasn't a four-letter word, but technically, um, but it's not supposed to be. Remember, that's what Adam was supposed to do. You know, was but it, the curse was it's going to be more toil and not more desire. You think about look around here, different people, whether it's in your vocation or in your in the church and serving. When you find a work that God has gifted you to do, that you do that honors Him, it will energize you. That's kind of what our church wants to do. It doesn't have to be in the church, but it can be in the church. But when you find that, you're energized. It's like, man, and and that's what you're going to get to do the rest of your existence if you follow Jesus, like I said to the kids, I suppose this is kind of a good evangelical way to start talking to somebody. Say, like, hey, how'd you like to be in a new, and a new earth for you? Don't get tired. Maybe that's a good way to start <laughs> instead of the Roman road. Um, it, it, it's kind of, again, the C.S. Lewis quote, I remember, aim for Jesus, and you get heaven and earth thrown in. You know, that's what it's all about. Let him take care of it. You know, there's going to be art, culture, adventure, worship, learning, discovery, all this wonder-filled stuff. If you think about in your life, what is it that I like to do the most that's God-honoring? <laughs> if it's not, then that, that's not going to be there. <laughs> that's, you know, why, You know, I remember Cheers. You remember Cheers? The, the. You always want to, you know, bring up at least one bar reference at every sermon, but uh, I don't know why that, but you remember the, the tagline, you know, where everybody knows your name. Why do people go to bars? Well, hope, hopefully it's not just for the inebriation. Hopefully, I mean, it's the people. And it wouldn't it be nice if you could have it without the fallout? You know, that's hopefully churches. I mean, I would hope you'd want to come to church. and That'd be actually more fun than going to the bar. Because this baloney that in heaven they're eating no beer... That's why we drink it. But whatever beer signifies there is, is culture and, and connection. I think it's going to be something you can really look forward to. So, you know, what's that going to look like? Well, we've, this is the, one of the conditions of what, because it's this golden city. I didn't know this, but from what Brian said at the Bible study, this is actually in Germany. He <laughs> said it was the most beautiful, I can't remember the name of it, but but there was one that just made me think of this. But here's another rendition of it, you know, you walk along the streets of gold and all that. And I don't know, we don't know, if you read books like Ezekiel and Daniel and his visions and of course Revelation with John, they're seeing this through their eyes. I don't know if it's going to look like this. Maybe you, maybe your color you hate the most is gold, so maybe I don't worry about that. Uh it's just trying to give us a rendition of why gold. Well, because it, it's got that gleaming perfection. It's it's the idea of a a metal that God has made, and it, it's you kind of get that in the First Corinthians three scripture two, which we're going to head back to here to end up. I think a little bit about the things that we do in our life. You, you think about the way it, it's put here in. 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about different types of, of uh, elements, I guess we could put it. And I like the way it's just, just one quick, what's going to be dissolved? You've got gold, silver, precious stones, and then wood, hay, and straw. These are kind of metaphors. You know, what I think Paul is saying is the things we do in this life that honor God will continue into eternity in the new heaven, and the new earth. The things we do that don't, or don't really have any lasting, they will burn up like wood, hay, and straw. And I think what Paul's getting us to understand, or trying to get us to understand, is why don't we do the things that will last? And what things will last? You know, one of our the biggest parts of obviously our worship service is music. You know, I think one of the things I've always, and it's I'm, I'm obviously proud of this, that... One of the things that our church does, we certainly recognize that there's been music hundreds and thousands of years old that is wonderful. But we also recognize that God's still gifting people now to make new music. So it's a combination. And some of the music is going to go into the new heaven. What music will that be? I'm not a big uh, classical guy, but... uh, It sounds like some of the Bach and the Mozart stuff will probably keep coming. They'll go into the new heaven and the earth. The art, you know, the things that you create because it has beauty and purpose and it uses our gifts and, you know, the other one I thought of as I was watching uh, the Hawkeyes pull out another miracle victory. um, The (laughs) I don't even think I prayed for him anymore. I'm like, God, if you want him to win, just let it go. I don't know how you're going to do it this time. But the but competition, you know, you think about when you get to heaven, I'll never lose. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> maybe that'll be redeemed. But is it bad to lose when you are got a fair game and you're trying your best? And, and we have times like that here, too. Uh, we used to have that in, in Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So that's how I came to be in Christ in, in my uh Uh, college years, but we had that Romans 10, and we kind of changed it a little bit. If we win, we win for the Lord. And if we lose, we lose for the Lord. So whether we win or lose, we're the Lord's. And I I don't know how that will work. But would it be okay to have a competition where one team or one individual loses? Is losing a competition to maybe a more uh, fit and better opponent something to be ashamed of? Yeah, I and mean, again, I don't know how that's going to work. There's something there that God instills in us. You think about the things you really, really gives you passion. And some of those things you can't really make a beeline to Jesus on. But that's, it it's be tainted a little bit by this world. But that, that desire is there for a reason. God created you in his image. Those emotions. Those, those things that are really cool that you look forward to. So the adventure and discovery I think will be there. Like I said, we can't even, we don't even know what the heck's at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. And this is that teeny current earth we have now. If it gets bigger. I don't know how that works. What type of discovery and adventure? You know, I, I've said this before. It's like you've got this bucket list people say. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. i got a bucket list, but I'm going to wait till it doesn't hurt. I'm going to wait until they get the new heaven and new earth. Then I'll do the bungee jumping and the hang gliding and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm thinking the recovery time will be a lot faster. But if you want to do that before, that's fine. But the key doesn't all come down to this. It's the relationships. What matters? What ultimately matters in your life is not so much what we do, although it matters, but who are we doing it with? You know, that's, that's the key. This is the thing that goes on. You think about now, we go back to our chart. Somebody dies, they're in the Lord. They go to what we call the current heaven and uh, uh, appears a disembodied state to be with, with God. What do you take with you? Obviously nothing physical. But what do you take? What are you going to look for when you get there? New pinball machines? You're going to look for people. You're going to look for Jesus. Because that's really what matters. We're created as social beings and that was supposed to and Eden continue on forever and ever. So here's a couple art. If you like cities, it's a golden city. It's even got kind of an esoteric angel there on the right, which is kind of cool. Um, But most people here probably don't like the city. I do think it's kind of, you guys have lived in some bigger places, and I know some, but I remember, you know, I lived in Austin, Texas for a while, Omaha, Des Moines. um, And one of the things that just struck me one time, I think I'd only been here a couple years, and some guy who lived in one of the smaller towns? Says, I just can't understand how you can believe, live in a big place like Denison. I'm like nine thousand, one point two million. I'm like, yeah, it, it's just—it's always perspective, you know. So when you read about that, we'll get into this after Christmas about the new—the the new Jerusalem coming down and what that—what that symbolizes. Don't think about that city thing. And if you like country stuff, here's a good picture for you. Maybe this is from Germany. I don't know. But it's, and and it's got the Isaiah 65. Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. Maybe that's more appealing to you. I don't know how that all works. But again, it comes down to what do you do in this life? What do we develop and create and put our time into in this life that's going to last into eternity on the new earth? It doesn't necessarily mean all of us sometimes in this world have to do things we we know it wouldn't be the most fun thing, you know. I'm still looking in First Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 for the gift of toilet cleaning. Um, it has not presented itself yet. But it still has to be done, right? Boy, that would be a rabbit trail if we talked about how the New Earth worked there. Maybe later. <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, but this is the thing, you know, this is going to be our final home. Let's start thinking about that. You think about Jesus before he went to the cross in the upper room on, in John 14. You know, we, we use this a lot at, at uh, memorial services. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, how do you do that? Well, through the cross. I mean, because anybody who believes in, in Christ gets to go to that place. But uh, I, have you ever thought maybe we should try to prepare ourselves for being there? and think about those relationships and deepen them, you know, and you never can exhaust a relationship. It's really cool. The older I get, the more I believe that. You're certainly not going to exhaust your connection with God, and we're just starting those deep relationships with each other here. You know, how many times, you know, we, we had that a little bit the other night. We were Last night, I guess, it was talking with family, and family had to leave, and you're like, wouldn't it be cool if we could hang out longer? Maybe that's coming, you know, not yet. So we're going to end with this quote. This quote is from a, a book called Heaven is Not My Home. It has a subtitle, too, uh, by Paul Marshall. And I like the way it's put. Um, it kind of comes into what we're talking about that this renewed earth, this new heaven, new earth, and and doing those things that last and God is proud of, what we need is not to be rescued from the world, not to cease to be human, not to stop caring for the world, not to stop shaping human culture. What we need is the power to do these things according to the will of God. We, as well as the rest of creation, need to be redeemed. And that's the promise that we have in a new heaven, a new earth. And, and may we do that each day. What am I doing today? That's going to last for eternity. Because getting there and continuing those things is going to be stuff that we can only begin to imagine. Let us pray. Father, you give us these pictures in uh, your word from uh, Peter and from Paul and from Isaiah and John. We thank you for those so clearly showing us uh, what you have in store for us, may we each one of us here may first of all we want to be in Christ, may we realize that what a blessing uh of the grace that you give us and just present it to us that all we have to do is trust in you, uh trust in you, live a life uh, that is has you at the center and of gratitude. Uh, As we go into this Thanksgiving season, may we look at those things we can be thankful for that you've given us and cultivate those in this life so we can carry them on into the next. May we do those things that won't be burnt up, but will honor you. And may we put the relationship with you and others first in our lives, now and forever. Amen.